Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Ricky. And this is the third episode of season three of the Beer and Broadband podcast. It's slated to come out on 420 2020. So that's a that's a lot of twenties there. But um it's topic something for us what day it comes out on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um it's it's not uh it's it's yeah, wait, 420, 2020. Yeah, that's true. Um it's uh it's 420 in that that the that the stoner yeah, term. A, yeah. What a, yeah. I, I know there was something about yeah. this. I guess it was supposed that you're supposed to celebrate it all month, which we're already in yeah for. So I guess we're not doing that. Quarantine locked us out. It's all a government conspiracy to keep us. Yeah. I, I I'm not uh not yeah, it, it is it is four twenty is a cannabis thing. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um not I'm not I'm not really into that. I didn't I didn't yeah. even think about that until you said something. But uh we're into beer. Uh and so we're gonna talk about a beer. We're gonna talk about Inus and Guns, uh barrel aged Irish whiskey cast um barrel stout. It's eleven point two or it's not six point one ABV. I said it was eleven point two. <laughs> it's eleven point two uh um ounces. So um it says our smooth Scottish stout meets carefully selected Irish whiskey barrels, creating a flavor-packed beer with notes of dark chocolate and coffee alongside hits of vanilla and oak. We've spent more than a decade perfecting our craft and out at inusandgun.com. So I I I know you don't love Inus and Gun and Stouts as much as I do. Stouts are like my thing. So since I'm the person that picks up the beers mostly I'll throw in like some bones for you every now and then I'll get like a lighter beer, but I have a hard time finding lighter beers that have yeah, like no, a variety of flavors. I, I have to call you out. You got to go watch our old episodes. I think you got me last season to admit that now stouts are my preferred beer. Now, uh, I, I did. I've really got a flavor for them. I, I did because you said that you keep dragon's milk around. You just really yeah. like that beer. Um, for some reason i'm hoping to convert you over to by making a stout myself convert you over to the stout family oh yeah no i've actually i don't keep too much beer in the house but i've got three stouts in the fridge that's like that's that's, uh, that's kind of what i drink now i'll occasionally go and get like a week but most of the time if i'm grabbing a beer somewhere it's a stout nowadays that's great so you've t- you've had a sip of this what do you think of it i have so not my favorite stout it is very good um, I know we had talked about the podcast. I was like, I don't know if it's if it's too good. I might drink all of it. I don't think I'm going to go that far. It does have very good notes. You can really get that coffee and that dark chocolate. It's a little bit sweet for me. It's a little malty. It's definitely one of those, in, in complete contrast to our last one, this is one of those things I would slowly slip for like two hours. This isn't something I can drink a lot of at once. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This is um, This is something that... I'd have with a steak sitting over dinner, talking to some friends, you know, something like that. It's a great beer. If you love stouts, it's, it's a worthy one to have. It has all the wonderful whiskey notes, that butteriness and everything. If you just kind of let it set on your tongue, especially like if you kind of like treat your, um, your glass as like a snifter and like you, when you drink in, like you breathe in some of the stuff, you get some of the whiskey notes mm. that it has of there. Um, it's 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 got this it's got all this like great stuff about it um but it's um it's not perfect <laughs> um the, and there we've got another Inus and gun drink this uh the season um and we'll be able to kind of like talk about them i planned on doing them back to back but um i'm i mixed up my uh 
my order of beers. And so I'm not going to go back and change that now. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it, 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 uh, I think season, season three, episode six, we're going to talk about Inus and gun blood, blood, red sky. Um, and like, uh, we may kind of harken back to what we think about this, but if you, if you let it set on your tongue, and just kind of sit there for a moment. It has, especially if you clean your palate of everything mm -hmm. else, it has like a kind of flavor like vanilla Coke on the after flavor. Yeah, it kind of does. It's definitely got that that sweetness, like that really dark, like malty, almost caramel type sweetness. I think Coke actually has caramel like flavoring in it. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, there is that little, it's definitely got a sweet vanilla taste. Like it's a really good beer. Um, it's just, even then, I don't know if I'd have it over a steak. I might, I might have that as like my after dinner drink, because I feel like I would, I would be sipping on this until dinner. It's like two o'clock right now. I sip on this for three hours. I bet it'd be yeah. really good to cook with though. We've started making a um, Irish stew that you're supposed to put a stout into, and it suggests like Guinness. So if you Guinness a couple times, mm -hmm. but I might grab one of these because I think a little bit of that extra like barrel flavor would be really good in like a a nice like beef stew it i i don't know I'd, I'd have to try but i think you could definitely braise a steak in it and it would be good mm. with it um i've had it with dinner um with like a couple of different things that we made and um we've been eating mostly vegetarian it's not you know not completely no no meat or anything like that but i had it with um some indian that we made uh, when i first got the the thing i had had one on with it and it was it was really good like the the it works really good on like spicy foods having it kind of yeah, the sweetness and everything so it's it's a good beer i it's not my favorite i don't want to it's not the abyss it's not like the shoots or, or anything like that uh and it's it's not like one of the other um, um beers that i i love to you know talk about um so much one of those stouts that i'm just like oh, these these are great it's not it's not even as good as a dragon milk but um it's a good beer it's i i, I if i had it and i was gonna you know grab it um out of a thing and i had like you know 10 beers to choose from and it was you know this a fat tire a red oak um you know maybe a a hoppy ipa and and a couple other things like that that people really love, this would be the one that I choose, you know, out of that. But yeah. if there was, there was something that was a better beer, I'd choose that. beer. So it's not the best beer. That didn't make any sense, but you, you know what I was getting at. Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. So uh, we, I know, I know we've been talking a little bit about brewing over the last couple of episodes. And especially on the first episode, we talked about what we did to brew, but I've adopted a really like rigorous brew schedule. Um, you haven't so much. Do you feel like, do you feel like brew schedules are like important or like? I don't know. I think it really depends on what you're trying to get out of brewing. When I first started, I had a super strict schedule. I always had two or three things going. I think in my first year I started brewing, I probably did more than half of my total like lifetime brews. I was all over it. I had a bunch of one and two gallons that I just ran through stuff. Did like a lot of experiments. Like I'd take um, a whole bunch of different yeasts and try the same thing in it. Or I mean, I did like some apple meads before where 
I was like, it was all the same ingredients, but all in like different ratios. Like my first run at it of making a cider that I put a little honey in, you know, only like four or five percent. It was a two gallon, but we drank it all in like two days. We loved it. So it really like that creation energy gets you moving at the start. So like if you're in that area, absolutely. Like make yourself a schedule, brew as often as you feel like. Once you're really comfortable doing it, I kind of switched over to like, oh, I brew when I want something to drink. Like when I'm running out of alcohol, I'll start brewing again. Like we're about to hit the one gallon mark on what we've got left over from other brew. So I'll probably start up a new batch soon. But at some level, when you when you start, you're making so much, you almost have to give it away because you can't you can't drink it all yourself. Um, but I kind of just hit that stride where it's like, eh, if, I, if I'm not going to drink it, you know, I'll give some of it away. But if, it, if I'm not hurting for some alcohol, I generally wait until I get to that point before I make something. Yeah, I think I think I do it kind of differently. I think what I do is I'm more in that spot where I'm looking at. I want to know how to brew um, and I want to know how to do it really well. I want to know how to everything, but um, um, distilled spirits. Uh, eventually I probably even want to know how to do that. But um, right now I just want to know how to do all of the, all of the things that you can kind of do at home um, yeah. and figure, figure that out. And then, um, you know, kind of go from there. Like, do I end up making this more than a hobby or is it just a hobby? You know, like what, what ends up happening with it? Um, but my, my first, you know, initial thought, cause we, we've brewed together like many times, um, is if I don't have a schedule, I won't, like I need to have a, it's, it's like, it's like working out, right? If I don't have a schedule for working out, I'm just not consistent enough with it. I start to lose some of those things that I need to have, right? So I on Monday, I need to do, uh, you know, chest. On Tuesday, I need to do back. On Wednesday, I need to do my legs. On Thursday, I need to do my arms. On Friday, I run. Saturday, I run. On Sunday, I run. You know, like that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of treat brew, beer the same way. And then take, you know, take like um, a couple of weeks off in between like a certain amount of, of of batches because like i took um i took like two weeks off um between the two batches that i made uh this winter and um so i think i think brewing uh you is kind of like a discipline that you need to to pay attention to in order to really you know stay kind of good at it um mm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure so much about that last statement. Just because like at, at one level brewing is very scientific. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the part that I immerse myself in the most of like learning how these processes work. And once you document that, there there's really not a lot else to go wrong. Like at at some level I get what you're saying. That like if if you were like trying to take it to professional there's a ton of brewing you have to do of just refining recipes. But, you know, I've taken extreme amounts of time off. I mean, if we take about like that strawberry one, I hadn't brewed anything myself solo, like a recipe I came up with and I did the work on for like a year and a half before I made that strawberry wine. And it came out great. Like you, you save a lot of those principles over because they're very, 
repeatable steps. Like, you know, it's not like painting or singing or like playing an instrument where over time you can kind of lose some of it because a lot of it is like muscle memory. A lot of it is perspectives and like very fine tuned skills. Brewing really comes down to very repeatable, simple processes where a lot of the change in your stuff comes in. It's from recipe. So I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think that what I'm talking about is not losing your, ability to do it but losing your rhythm there's a yeah, rhythm okay. that goes yeah, into yeah. Having I, there, there definitely is there is um if you want to constantly have batches running there is some planning in there that has to happen because you need to not only produce it at a certain rate you got to drink it at a certain rate or find somebody to drink it at a certain rate um there is definitely some planning if you want to consistently brew that has to go into it that is there yeah you know you can't you can't just on the fly take two weeks off if you're in the middle of doing some brew cycle because you know you might need to you know swap stuff over things might need to be going in the secondary you probably if you're like aging something with spices probably shouldn't leave it alone for two weeks without like trying it you know there is that like once you start you gotta be like on track like, yeah even for like my strawberry wine you know i checked it every two days you know not necessarily tasting it but looking to make sure that you know it's either still bubbling or the pressure isn't building up or going negative you know because sometimes you can see if like because we were still in winter if my heat ever wasn't operating right you can instead of like you know you push on the top and bubbles come out you can push on the top and nothing comes out which means that like the pressure has kind of gone inward because it got too cold you know yeah there is a lot of like once you've got it in your hand you do have to be pretty disciplined in it otherwise I won't say it's easy because, you know, it's alcohol. It's fairly resistant as long as you clean everything, but it's not hard to mess up a brew if you don't pay attention to it. Yeah. So um, I, I just, I, I think, you know, just on this topic, I don't want it to be the whole show. But it It is, it, it depending on what you're, if you're just doing it to like, oh, I'm just going to make some like, I'm going to make like a summer wine every summer. You've got one recipe and you're always doing, you know what it is. You just do it every year. You know, that's fine. But if you're like, I want to learn how this works, you have to have a discipline to it, I think, in order to really get that information in. And you can relax a little bit later, but you should, if you want to consistently do stuff over and over and over again, I think I think that's like um, really important that you spend time like saying, okay, well, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe you're not going to make like a five-gallon bag, but you're going to make like a gallon bag, you yeah. know? stuff like that so let me let me propose this question to you i know this is probably a little bit off how do you like brewing two gallons as opposed to brewing five gallons i actually like it more because i can do more things that are different um and i don't if i mess it up i don't waste as much um i don't waste as much yeast i don't it's it's not really expensive but like with mead um i might spend $30 $30 on the ingredients that go into it because, mm-hmm. you know, um, like honey is like $4 a pound or something like that, $3 a pound, something like that. So I might spend, you know, $12, $13 on honey for um, for a two gallon, where like with a five gallon, I'd spend like closer to $30 or $40. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I like it better making two gallon batches for things like that than I do uh, five gallon batches. But I think when it comes to like beer and cider, I prefer to make five gallon batches. Yeah, I, I can see that. I I really prefer to make the larger batches for cider and wine. Mead, I do still like doing the larger batches, but I have had it bite me because mead's a little bit harder. There, there's more things that can go wrong in that, um, in the sense that if you mistakes take longer to fix. Like with mead, because it already comes out kind of so rough. If if you've messed something up, like either just bad recipe or bad technique. And it makes that even rougher. It just takes so long to age out. I definitely had some like five gallon meat batches that like took quite a while to get to the place that I could like drink them well. So I can I can see that mentality. Yeah. Now on, on that note though, I was at a Costco and found that they sell bulk honey. Oh. And you know you've already heard me rant I think on the show and just in real life that I don't like um, clover honey because clover honey is less regulated. There's like, because when you buy a honey that says it's like a particular type, um, you have to be able to certify that it's like that percentage of it. So if you buy like an orange blossom honey, I think it's like 70, 80% has to be orange blossom. Then the rest can be whatever. Whereas with clover, it only has to be like 20 or 30% clover. So clover gets like all mixed up. You can't replicate it as much. But I found some fairly large containers of wildflower honey. Oh. For not a terrible price. I I wish I had marked the price down because I I bought it to have honey for like sweetening tea, or for like my kid to you know sometimes we'll put like a little bit of honey on her chicken or something like that. Um, I'll pay attention to the, the price next time. I might do like a Kirkland. I don't know what I'll call it, like a Kirkland Mead since that's their like name brand. Because um, I really liked the apples that they had, like the apples I bought and just the apple juice were both really good. So if that honey turns out to be good quality for brewing, that might be where I get it. Because I kind of prefer most of the time wildflower. If I'm making a, like a flavored something, sometimes I'll switch to like a complimentary flavor. But my standard like go-to honey has always been wildflower. That's, uh, that's pretty legit. Um, about how many pounds do you put per, um, per gallon, basically? That's a good question. I have to do the math in my head real quick. Most of the time when I buy bulk honey, I actually buy it by volume, not by weight. But I'm fairly certain 12 pounds of honey is one gallon. So I would say I'm generally putting in three pounds of honey per gallon of whatever else I'm putting in. Okay. That, I mean, that seems about right. I, I normally put in, uh, so the last mead that I made, they ended up causing me to have some problems. I put in four uh per gallon um okay yeah so i'm thinking about making a sizer and i was thinking about doing um two pounds uh per gallon okay yeah yeah i could absolutely see that i have found that like sizers and other like fruit meat combos have worked out better for me than plain meat um something about just that kind of like roughness of honey doesn't have a lot of nutrients in it other than just the sugar um that has made some brewing like take a while. Like I've, I've had, you know, sizers. I also, we, I think we've made some cherry mead that didn't take nearly as long to age to get to a good flavor as some of my straight meads have. So I, I definitely recommend it. I mean, it's not, it's harder to classify and like sell commercially for the people that are thinking about taking it more serious than a hobby. But for just like hobby stuff, I, I 
almost think you can't go wrong because most of the time like you want to flavor your meat anyway like i've drank some straight meats ones i've made and then just like commercially sold ones i got some nice like a uh, poland meat that was just straight meat it's okay but it's nothing to write home about because it really is just kind of like sweet alcohol you know it's got some honey flavor but but not much else you know maybe some stuff that picks up from the barrel but you get a little bit of cherry or apple or just really any other little fruit flavor in there to complement that sweetness with so not just honey and you get some get some really good combos in yeah the the cherry mead that we made i, I felt like was was really good i, I want to go i want to make another batch of that but i think i want to make a two gallon batch mm-hmm. or a one gallon batch instead of a five gallon batch like we did last time see how it ends up and then um try try it with a larger batch after that because i feel like we need to or i i want to uh really um try that again because yeah. that, that was good but it wasn't perfect it wasn't one of the things we should look out for on that you know we we've made that cherry meat a couple times and sometimes it worked out really well and sometimes it didn't and we never threw any out but there were certainly some batches that were better than others mm-hmm. that we really focused on this like how are we getting the cherry flavor in there? Um, you know, sometimes we did just puree. Sometimes we, we did juice and puree. I think one batch we did juice and then just like slightly mashed frozen cherries. Mm-hmm. You know, all these different ways to try it. Um, I'm considering, because I don't know if I'll make strawberry again because we just got done drinking like six pounds of strawberry. I think the the same brand that did the strawberry wine base might have a cherry wine base. They do. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I looked it up. They do. I've considered getting that. That might be a good thing for us to try. Yeah, it, it definitely could be. Cause I mean that on one level, you know, some people say, well, and that's not as homemade, but on the other hand, like a company that sells wine bases that has really good reviews has spent a lot of time and effort to find a really good cherry flavor. I think it depends on the ingredients and what we end up turning out with it, but it, it, uh, we should talk about that. Uh, yeah. that. That might be the right thing to do. So speaking of recipes, um, let's talk about Good Eats. Uh, do you watch that yeah. show? Have you ever okay, watched it? so here's the thing. I didn't watch that show, but oh. then here on the podcast, you talked about it. <laughs> um, and I like, I went and I watched like a couple episodes and it was okay like i watched like the beef jerky one and that popcorn one you recommended and a few others and it was it was okay i wasn't super into it but there's like newer ones out yeah i was like older and a little more rustic i haven't watched all of them i watched a few and those were good he's also got the uh the thing he's doing right now for corona yeah we get the series um it's like it's it's just it's it's it's, so it's a pantry raid was a good was a good eats it's a good eats thing, but since they can't film anymore right now, they would be working on their third season of the new good eats thing. And they did mm-hmm. good eats reloaded. Um, they, he's just kind of like, well, I'm here at the kitchen. Uh, let me stream some stuff. So he's been, you know, like going through and like, let's talk about rice. Let's mm-hmm. talk about popcorn, you know, so on and so forth. It's, I felt like it was really awesome and um i'm super excited about it so this is one of my favorite things that happened it's like when your favorite band gets back together and they actually release a good album and it's good and you're like oh oh i've been missing this so much this is kind of like what it is (laughs) so if you haven't watched good eats reloaded or good eats because there's two shows that he's putting out uh good eats 
you know, so he just did a new season of Good Eats with Food Network and Good Eats Reloaded, which is like he's going back and where he made mistakes when he was talking about stuff, he is correcting those mistakes. So he does that in Good Eats too. So it's just kind of like a show based off that. You should watch both of them. They're really good. Um, and I challenge you, Ricky, to watch through the, um, he did last year and in Good Eats, he did a, um, a, a whole episode about what to do if you're stuck inside and the apocalypse has happened <laughs> before before any of this stuff was going on mm-hmm. so um you should watch that it's it was uh it's pretty good it's funny yeah yeah i'll have to i'll have to check that out i'll admit um it, as far as food is concerned i feel pretty prepared there i've always been at least as long as i've like been in my own place been a bulk buyer in terms of like i really hate buying like one pound of rice so i buy like 30 pounds of rice and i've got tons of bulk pasta it was kind of kind of nice but all the whole like everything's out of stock it didn't really affect us because we had a bajillion everything so my my wife gave me a pat on the back for that one she was concerned because she was like where what are we going to eat what if we can't find x y and z and it's like but you never go in this pantry corner but look at this (laughs) <laughs> we got what she food. thought was like empty container like, because it's hard because i don't like storing it in a bag because like i once had like little mites and stuff get into it so all of my bulk stuff are stored in these like giant bins that are generally yep. used for like dog food mm. and she thought we just had like extra dog food containers like no this is rice and this is beans and it's all of this is boxes of bulk pasta nice I I do I do buy more like in bulk and I do the same thing that you do. I keep things in container, but it's like just it's not like five pounds, it's like three pounds. Because three yeah. pounds lasts me like five months, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I generally buy, you know, I mean I just I I I buy certain things I buy more of and certain things I don't. So like I get orders of toilet paper for like two months at a time and i've been doing this forever i get like two months worth of toilet paper two months worth of paper towel rolls two months worth of cat food two months worth of things like that even though i'm allergic to cats you know still have to make sure we take care of the cat two months of dog food um you know that sort of stuff and and i keep those things in bolt but then there's other things like um you know I, i don't keep that much of so it just kind of depends um but yeah, I, I agree with you. That's a good strategy to have up. I wish I, I'm going to start keeping more rice, I think, um, because we've been going through it a lot more since we've been eating more vegetarian. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's the easiest thing to get in bulk. Like, we'll just run to any, like, Asian grocery store and buy, like, the 25-pound bag. Yeah. And we, we do that just because it's such an easy side. And my kid will eat rice. So, like, we buy big things of rice. And then if you can find it, they'll sell these, like, they're like cylinders, but it's got to be like three or four pounds worth of what they call like various animal powder. So like chicken powder or beef powder or pork powder that's essentially just like broth mix. Um, and it's in such a huge powder container. It lasts forever. We bought one when we still lived in Durham. And like not before we started thinking about like shortly after Delilah was we bought a big canister of it and we are not out yet, but are thinking we need to go buy some more soon. <laughs> it just it lasts forever. Get like a uh, half a tablespoon of that into a couple cups of rice, throw it in your rice cooker, 
done in like 20, 30 minutes and it tastes great. Awesome. So I'm going to switch topics here for a moment. Um, I, I was going to talk about like the next gen consoles, but I don't mm. really, uh, I mean, whatever. I'm not really, my PlayStation yeah. 4 is fine enough, but I do want to talk about something that I did recently. I did like a little home project one day. I had a spare SSD. It was a four terabyte SSD. Um, I know you're like, who the heck keeps a four terabyte SSD just spare around? I, I took a hard drive out of another thing and then I replaced it with an SSD. And then I just ended up with a four terabyte SSD that I wasn't using. Mm-hmm. And I read somewhere that you could put one in a, in a, an SSD of any size in a PlayStation four, because you know, it's got a spinning hard drive, right? And I have a PS4. Oh, Pro. yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I read this topic, I, when I read PS pro, I thought in my head, like their mobile thing, forgetting that was a Vita. And I was trying to connect in my head how you had managed to take a four terabyte computer SSD and put it in this handheld. Yeah. But okay, like in, in the console itself, they let you switch. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I so mean, you... I'm surprised they let you do that. You'd think they'd like solder it on or anything the way tech companies are nowadays. No, they don't. And, and well, so PlayStation's always PS3 and other things like that. They've always let you kind of take stuff out um, mm-hmm. and, and swap them out. But generally, it had to be like a very specific, particular hard drive that was at, at a certain max capacity and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so my PlayStation, I mean, it's great, but it's always like a little bit slow when, you know, like I'm doing stuff. So I was thinking, you know what? I just, I just want to swap stuff out. It was super easy. I mean, like took me like an hour, signed back in, did all the stuff, you know, and then downloaded a few games. It took me like two days to, to download all the games that I had had and everything like that and get everything set back up. But once I was done, and I still haven't like put, um, you know, I have like some of my games that I haven't played in a while mm-hmm. on it. Um, but I, 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 I've only taken up like 0.9 uh, terabytes so far. Um, so I'm not even quite at two terabytes or I'm not even at one terabyte right yet. And, you know, I'll probably end up having like two, maybe three terabytes worth of space that I use on it. Uh, and I'll have some extra space left over for future consumption but i was super excited because i was like oh man you know i can i can actually like you know keep almost all of my game library on this thing um and when eventually you know the apocalypse happens i'll have something to keep me you know like from being bored (laughs) yeah you have just unknowingly made my wife's life so much better because i didn't know you could swap them she talked to me before about like it would be nice to get a bigger hard drive for my PlayStation. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe when we have a little bit of money or, you know, it's a good spending time. But now that I know I can swap it out for already existing hard drives, I've got plenty of spare hard drives I could just toss in there. Yeah, so it has to be a two two 2.5-inch hard drive or SSD. Mm-hmm. I suggest if you're going to do it, get an SSD. Like, yeah. Oh, two- yeah. I've got a couple of spare SSDs sitting around from project they're not the fastest you know this is back when i was an independent contractor but i think i've got a two terabyte ssd laying around yeah if you've got a two terabyte ssd throw it in there dude it it does it like uh the regular ps4 is 500 gigabytes i think that's the one you have right you don't have the pro do you no okay yeah so that one's like 500 gigabytes i think the pro went up to a terabyte but if you can throw like a two terabyte ssd it's a little bit harder to um do the regular playstation because it's um like 
it's a little bit more inside the pro they made it so you can just like slide a module out and slide mm -hmm. it back in uh, it's almost like a real computer imagine that uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Console being like a real computer but uh yeah dude it's it's totally worth it like anybody that's out there that's wanting to do this project totally worth it this is super simple you just back up you you have to download a thing um onto a a um flash drive like a, you know like a, a usb storage mm -hmm. so you, you download like some files onto it and when you plug the new hard drive in you put that in you turn the playstation on it'll just consume those as long as they're in a certain folder it'll just take them and, and boot up and and restore the operating system and everything you just sign back in download your stuff maybe an hour to do that part it's not hard okay totally yeah i'm looking at instructions online oh my gosh even on the regular one it it's really not that difficult. yeah exactly it's, it's like a few more steps on the on the on the yeah regular one. you just got to get the chassis off in a particular way and it's just exposed oh my gosh and it's it's super fast. It's like it makes it makes your download speeds faster. It makes everything fast because it, it can write to the hard drive faster. So boot up times faster. It's great. Um, I was gonna like my plan was to like have you come over and like turn it on and say, "Have you noticed how fast my PlayStation boots up? Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome?" And then be like, "I put a four terabyte SSD in there. Look at how awesome I am." You know, but you couldn't come over and look at it, so that sucks. But <laughs> um, yeah, so uh so you have anything else you want to say about that no i think that's it all right well let's uh let's end this episode and um thanks everybody for listening thanks everybody that's out there that's making our lives where we can work all the necessary people that are keeping our grocery stores and everything going we really appreciate your time i do want to call out folding from home um, they are one of our best chances at finding a way of combating Corona other than social isolation. So if you are not doing folding from home, uh, please do folding from home. It would be great. Um, there's, uh, all sorts of different places, PC master race, Linus tech tips. They all have their like groups. I've, I joined the Linus tech tips group. Um, so like if you're considering doing that, please, uh, put yourself out there to do folding from home. Otherwise, this has been the third episode of Beer and Broadband for Season 3, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much.